Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. All right, all right, let's do this. This is Tracy Harrell and I am I'm super I'm super excited today. What's really exciting is, you know, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, living your best life. We talk we talk about, you know, living a life on purpose you know, being intentional. And this show allows me to do this, do just that. And what's really exciting is the flyer that you're looking at or the individuals that you're looking at, um, we are all on a grand mission. What I'm gonna talk about today is this Bigger Than Me success series. We had session number two just yesterday, and this is, session number two's afterflow. There was so much content, so many people that wanted to get engaged, we couldn't fit it all in the first two hour webinar. So I'm using this time to really showcase some additional conversations, to follow up and to build on this case for change. So the Bigger Than Me success series is, 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 is achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. It's a systems initiative. We're out for systems change. We're focused on systems change. And when I think about where we are in history right now, this is a critical point in history where doing the same is just, it's just not acceptable. And I see you, Cassandra. I see you. <laughs> How are you? So on this particular fire, you saw a number of different faces uh, a number of individuals, um, like I said, there's more people who are engaged in this initiative than we could possibly um, fit into one particular uh, show. And so today we're going to follow up on some additional videos that we got from uh, Bill Wells and a few others. And Cassandra joined us yesterday. Cassandra, introduce yourself and tell us why is this work so important? Well, thank you, Tracy. And I appreciate you inviting me to this, this conversation again today. You know, I'm Cassandra Mitchell. I am a vice president of corporate responsibility uh, for a financial institution here in Washington State. And, you know, for me, this conversation is important because if we don't have it now, then when are we going to have it? I think we've all seen the, um, the, the images, uh, whether through social media or the local news, and it's, it's time for change. And it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and not be okay with the status quo. Um, we, we have to do better. We have to do better for ourselves and for the next generation. So, so that's why these conversations are important. I love it. You know, what, what I love about what you said is we have to do better. You know, one of the things that, that Bill, that Bruce, the president of the National Black MBA Association, one of the things that he said yesterday, which I thought was so profound was, you know, this has to move from a nice to have to a must have. He also yeah. quoted Frederick Douglass, if you remember, you know, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, demands. 
that need to right. be made. Like at the end of the day, this initiative has a few fundamental elements. You know, we're building on positive psychology. We're building mm -hmm. on adaptive leadership. Also this concept of self-directed learning. There are some strategic principles that we're building on, but we're also building on 50 years of research, right? Recent think yeah. tanks. We're building on the fact that we know what the current key challenges are for African-Americans, for black yeah. professionals in corporate America, for blacks in business in general. We know mm -hmm. what the key challenges are. We talk about things like unconscious bias. I don't think there's one HR organization that hasn't done unconscious bias training. Would right. you agree? So we I talk agree. about unconscious bias as a, it's a very academic term. It just sounds like a thing that happens, right? <laughs> What we're trying to translate for you is when, when someone experiences things like unconscious bias, similarity bias, unequal performance standards, and a lack of CEO accountability, we've identified those for the last 40 years as the key challenges that prevent Black professionals from really living out the dream that everyone else gets to enjoy. That dream of having a, 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 an inclusive environment where everyone can thrive. We don't we don't experience that. So when you say unconscious bias, the translation that we brought into this and the term that I actually created and trademark because I need to make sure that it remains positive in nature. I'm using the term corporate chokehold because basically you have your knee on the neck of corporate America, black professionals. We, we did a think tank and it was called the state of the black professional. Right. And. and, and these corporate chokeholds were identified even by us as key challenges. It's more than a challenge. It's an urgent need to take your knee off of our necks. So we have people telling their stories. How profound was the storytelling, uh, Cassandra, where you moved, you laugh, oh, you yeah. cry, you, you know, you're just like, I feel you, sister. Tell me about why it's so important uh, to tell our stories. I like to use the Brene Brown quote. We actually have videos from her. She says, you know, if we don't own our stories, the stories own us. Talk about why that's so important. Well, you know, Brene said something that really resonated with me, which was we have to tell our stories and we have to be comfortable telling our stories because too often um, people just see images, right? They just see images on a screen or on their phone. And, and it, it doesn't really, in my opinion, really hit home until you are in the boardroom or in a meeting with coworkers, telling your story, being open, transparent, and vulnerable, and, and then finally recognizing that, wow, my coworker has experienced police brutality or my coworker has experienced um, discrimination at work. My, my coworker has, has experienced whatever it is, these unconscious microaggressions, these biases, these stereotypes, these assumptions, we have all experienced it. And I think when, when a coworker who I work with on a daily basis recognizes finally, wow, my, my, my peer, my coworker is experiencing these things. I didn't realize that, right? They just see me as a, another coworker. They don't see me necessarily um, outside of work and understand the things that as African-Americans we have to go through um, in our society, unfortunately. So telling our story is so, so important. And I think, um, uh, or I believe having these conversations in corporate America right now are critical. You know, I, I think um, we wouldn't have been able to have these conversations six months ago, right? Pre-COVID, pre-Black Lives Matter. Uh, I, I think this is, again, an opportunity for us to really leverage um, 
our experiences in a way that can help people connect and further understand and educate them on, on what we have to go through on a daily basis, right? We don't have the privilege of, of living in a bubble. We don't have a privilege of, of, of not experiencing certain things. And, and, when, when we, and when our coworkers hear that or our peers hear it or friends, um, it, it hits differently. It, it hits differently. And I also feel like, um, you know, people are starting to believe our stories. That's what Brene said. You know, believe us when we are sharing our stories. Believe us when I'm telling you, yes, I was pulled over by a police officer, too, and I was scared to death. You know, um, so, so that's why I think it's important. And, and that's why it's important for us to continue sharing and being open and honest and transparent. You know, what was great about the conversation yesterday, it was completely organic. There was nothing staged about it. Now, I had conversations with each one of you individually. I'm like, oh, Lord, they get it. That's awesome. You guys are like, we got to keep moving this work forward. So I had had individual conversations with each of you. I produced a pretty high level. I mean, I had a detailed run, run of show, but I produced a list of the things that the topics that, that, that came up that were consistent for everyone. I provided you with the run of show, like here are the things we want to talk about and here's who kind of talked about it, but anybody could just join in. And it felt like it was basically, it felt like a perfectly produced production of here's a call to action, here's your case for change, and it needs to happen now. I mean, didn't that feel like almost perfect? It was a catharsis yeah. when she told her story about the bear. <laughs> when she told that story, it was just like, everyone was like, mm, we, we've had this story. There, there's this concept of, you know, the, the, the term that we use in corporate America that, that sounds very academic is unequal performance standards, right? We, we identify that as a challenge, just aligned with unconscious bias. So we're unconsciously um, uh, not identifying or not giving credit to black professionals when they do something amazing. So we've been told, okay, Cassandra, I'm gonna ask you, did, did anyone ever tell you growing up, you have to be twice as much as a black person or as a female? Cause I think it applies to both. We just happen to get a double scoop of shenanigans, right? But has anyone ever told you that you have to do twice as much to get half the credit? Yes, definitely, definitely. I, I grew up hearing hearing that from from parents and and other black professionals for sure um we always have to work a little harder um and and really make sure that we're going above and beyond in our work and and sometimes you know it gets recognized and sometimes it doesn't but but that's just the nature of of what we have to do i i think most of us most african americans have been programmed from family, from, from, from being, from a child to, to always be comfortable being uncomfortable working a little harder than your peers. That's, that's just what we have to do. So what I see highlighted right now is your phone, not your face. So I'm hoping that, that Zoom is not recording your phone, just FYI. I don't know, Nate, if you're seeing the same thing, but it makes me uncomfortable that, that the, the phone with just a black screen is what was in green just now as she was talking. So just, we'll, we'll, we'll edit this out of the final thing, but I don't want to ruin the whole, are you sure no issues? He said no issues. We're, he knows, Nate knows. Um, awesome. So yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. What I think is interesting is one of the things that Rex said is how we are programmed 
you know, for, for, um, to, to not change the status quo. Like we're, we're programmed to just take it and keep it moving. So you just said, we're kind of told, you know, from young that we have to, and we're saying it's unacceptable. Just like the Me Too movement. A black lady started the Me Too movement. Same fundamental issues applied to everyone at the time. It wasn't until, right, a bunch of white ladies decided, you know what, this really is unacceptable. So we're looking for the white ladies, the allies, the, 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 the people that don't look like us who, are, who got the knee on our necks. We can't take the knee off our own necks. It's just so we're clear. We, we, we can make it clear that there is a knee on our neck, but basically, you know, it, it, the, the time for courageous conversations happens after courageous activation. So this is a courageous activation. So that's a new term that I'm putting out there, right? Courageous activations are those things that require a change immediately. Take your knee off of the neck of Black professionals in corporate America. So the things that were okay, the unconscious bias, the unequal performance standards, the lack of support systems, that similarity bias, the, the lack of CEO accountability, the four key challenges that's in the research that we did. If you go to the National Black MBA's website, I got to just say it again. Are you comfortable when I use the word uh, corporate chokeholds? I got some slack when I first used it, and Michelle was like, girl, I love it. <laughs> but what do you think? I asked her. I was like, you know, matter of fact, I had someone who was in this with me. This is no lie. And I'm just putting all of my business in the street. But I had someone that was part of this initiative as I was starting it out. Then Microsoft made their grand statement about, you know what, we really do believe in diversity. And I honestly believe that Satya Nadella does. Do I think they're doing the right thing? I do not. Satya, this is a loving invitation for you and I to connect, to connect with this community because you definitely are focused on hiring people. That's the easy part of this conversation, the D-E-N-I, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. You said, I'm going to hire more, and I cringed a little bit. Like, please don't hire more black people until you get your hands around this equity and inclusion thing that you have going on that's part of the culture. It's built into the culture. There's a power, uh, a lack of power that exists there. So, so when things happen, this roller coaster happens, what we ended up with, because uh, we talked about interruptions. Tell me about how important it is to interrupt. So they talked about changing the status quo with pausing and interruption. So I have this thing called a bigger than me movement, which we'll talk about later, a bigger than me moment, right? Why is it important for us to interrupt in order to really change the status quo and not be okay with where we are today? I, I would say it's important to interrupt because it, you really just said it, because we can't be okay with the status quo. We can't be okay with the status quo. We, we can't continue being comfortable with the status quo. And, and, and that's really what it is, bottom line. It, 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 there isn't much more to add to that. So she's like, that's it. <laughs> Drop the mic. That, that that's it, right? And and I think what what you you asked the question about the corporate chokehold. I think you should define what you mean when you say corporate chokehold, so people aren't running with it and making assumptions. Because when you first hear it, you're kind of like, oh, you know, I I, I don't know, you know. Right. But but when you explain and define what you're saying and what that means. I think it, it, it allows people to understand where you're coming from. So I, I think you should do that. So that, that's honestly, that's why I trademarked the term because I, I, I want to own it. I want to define it. I don't want it to turn into some other shenanigans. It is a positive psychology, adaptive leadership uh, part of this initiative, right? It, it is specifically about four key challenges that are the most urgent, the most urgent, the most 
uh, long standing of the challenges that we know about things that we can address immediately. The beauty of this is I'm so excited. This is not like actually stopping police chokeholds. This is actually not that because again, there's multiple municipalities, there's the state police, there's the you know local police, there's county, there's city, there's all kind of history behind that. But in corporate America, the buck basically stops with the CEO. And, and even better than that, because if Satya Nadella never responds, if he says, you know what, I'm living in a high average tower and I got this, Tracy, like his DNI person said to me, by the way, we got this, we're going back to the basics. Uh, if that's still their position, it's okay. It does not mean we can't change. But this is a grassroots movement. My goal is to start from Satya, from the CEOs down, CEO in every company, right? And then it's a grassroots movement. So individuals who hear our voices, individuals who have a shared experience, individuals who care, allies who care about this as an initiative will get to be part of this movement, right? We talked about what a movement is, right? How do you can step in? You get to decide when you see something, say something. That, that creates a different paradigm shift, right? We get to moment by moment by moment, it's each of us deciding that this is not acceptable. It is not acceptable that we we can we can co-create. We each can co-create. We talked about uh, personal accountability. We talked about corporate accountability, corporate responsibility, and then we talked about personal accountability. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts about corporate responsibility. That's your job. That's kind of the space that you're in. And then individual accountability and how together those two things really can allow us to drive change. So, so corporate responsibility is really the self-regulating or self-managing of, of, that corporations do to show up in the community through philanthropic investments, um, environmental sustainability um, initiatives to um, um, products and services. And, and, and so for, for me and my role, it's about how are we showing up in communities, especially those low to moderate income communities, those marginalized communities, and giving back. Are we, are we, as a financial institution, are we investing back in those communities, communities that traditionally don't have the same access for, uh, for, for banking products and services, right? Um, investments, meaning are we financing projects in those communities, whether it's affordable housing or partnering with nonprofit organizations to, to, to better serve the clients in those neighborhoods, in those communities. And right now, you know, over the last, I would say probably 10 years, corporate responsibility has, has seen a, 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 a good increase in, in awareness, I think, just because so many of us as consumers want to buy products, for example, or, or support um, organizations that are doing their, their, what they should be doing when it comes to supporting globally or within their community. And I think um, a lot of us now as consumers are paying more attention to that. And, and the Black Lives uh, Movement recently has, as a lot of us have seen, has, has opened an awareness through, through, from corporate America, especially CEOs, and making a statement, right? An official statement that they post on their website to say, yes, I support Black Lives Matter. And, and I think it's important to make those statements, but even more important is, okay, now that you've made the statement, what are you going to do? Right. So so are you going to, um, you know, ensure that your uh, DEI strategy is not just a strategy, but actually part of the organization? And are you going to operationalize it to really not focus just on the diversity of the workforce um, and the engagement of a, of a diverse workforce? But let's take it to the next step. How are you how are you investing in communities? Right. 
Are you supporting nonprofits in your community? And, and so, um, so it's all, it's all related, right? We, we, we want to support those organizations and companies that are doing good, right? Who are, who are contributing to the, to, the, to the communities that we live in and that we work in. And so right now, it's really important to take action. Now is the time for those organizations that have said, yes, I support equity, inclusion, and, and a diverse workforce, and here's what we're going to do. I, I think now is the time. Like I said, if you're not going to do it now, then you're, you're probably not going to do it ever. <laughs> right. yeah. You're not yeah. going to do it again. So, I love that. Now, we, we also got really deep yesterday about, we had, I had two psychotherapists on the phone, and we talked about the trauma that these stories, when people tell their stories, they're being courageous leaders. And so we talked about being courageous during session number one. In this session, we talked about being leaders. So when I say, you know, the time for courageous conversations is past, I need a courageous, I need, we need courageous activations. So the demands that are coming out of this particular Bigger Than Me initiative include, again, stopping corporate chokeholds, the actions need to be different. It's actually not gonna be okay for, 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 for CEOs. And, and I did reach out to the, what is it called? It's called the CEO Action, CEO Action.com. Is that what it's called? Um, I reached out to them. It was an organization that Bill Wells had mentioned in our very first session. And I reached out to them. And basically, they said, we, um, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of priorities that we're working on. We're not going to be able to, you know, connect with you. And I, and I was like, clearly, <laughs> that wasn't good enough. Um, so I, so I, I asked the follow-up question. So what are your priorities? Like, what are your priorities? And you've been in existence for three years. Can you share how the metrics have changed for Black professionals? What have you done for Black professionals? And what are you doing to improve working conditions, equity and inclusion for Black professionals? Because our metrics are so that it's getting worse shows that there are less black professionals, the conditions are worse. I mean, we could do, we don't need to do another disparity study. We do have a brand new one here in Washington state and we have, you know, we have 30 years worth of, uh, <laughs> I think Eric just talked about, you know, a study that they did with Cornell University for, so we got enough studies. At the end of the day, take your knee off our neck and we can have a different conversation, right? We need corporate act, I mean, uh, courageous activations, not courageous conversations. I can't breathe, right? How, how can I have a courageous conversation when your knee's on my neck? There, there's no way that people really in your company are going to be willing to speak up the way we would love for them to without the support structures that we're wanting to put into place. So we want to just basically create safe, safe. This is safety. We want to create safe organizations. I mean, what's more important than safety? Because, Sandra, help me out. If they don't want to do it and we're coming to them saying, look, here's all the, here's what we know to be true. And now we're, we're focused on safety, stopping corporate chokeholds. You think that's enough? You know, I, I think right now I, I go back to what we've been already talking about right now. People are paying attention. People are listening. Right. And, and, and cause like, like you said, we, we've, we already have the diversity and equity inclusion business case. We already have the data that supports the, the, the increased productivity and engagement from a diverse workforce. So, so now, again, it's the next step. So, so what are we doing to continue having uh, a diverse workforce, an engaged workforce, a workforce where there's equal pay, um, professional development opportunities, 
uh, you know, all of that is important to, to the employee. And, and when you, as a corporation, as, as a executive, if, if your focus is really helping your employees be successful within your organization, helping all employees be successful, then you have to take a step back and really ask the questions of those employees, right? And, and not just, you know, surveys and focus groups, but really have a, an open door policy in, in a sense, I, I believe, to, to allow people to come and share honestly what, what is, the, what, what is the, the, the culture of this workforce, right? We advertise it as being inclusive and respectful and, 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 and people are held accountable, but, but is that really practice? And if you hear something different from, from your employees, then you have to be willing to take the next step to make it right. And, and, and sometimes as an employee, you know, if you're with an organization who's not willing to do that, then that might be um, an opportunity for you to, to find, find an organization that is. You know, what was super exciting, what was amazingly delightful was to have Bruce Thompson, president of the National Black MBA Association, on with us. We have Bill Wells, who's a former board chairman for the Black MBA consultant now. Uh, you know, someone from the governor's panel was there, tons of individuals. But when Bruce clarified that the national organization and every chapter of the National Black MBA Association um, coming together, uniting around this initiative, this cause, is huge. And what he said is, of course, we're starting with the carrot. We're making it delightful, pleasant. Again, it really is an invitation for us to learn and grow. It's like the, it's like when, when the cops give you the buyback of the guns. They're like, we don't even care if the gun was used in a murder. Just bring it back. No questions asked. If you want to do the right thing going forward, we're here with you. We're going to do this thing together. That's basically what this is. We're, we're acknowledging that you've had the knee on the neck for decades. And we're saying, as long as you can acknowledge that there's an opportunity, there's a need for change, we, we, we're excited to work to move this forward. We're going to give a clear platform about what you need to do. The demand is to engage. The demand is to start courageous activations and stop thinking that a courageous conversation and bringing more of us into the same situation is going to be the, the solution. That's what's kept us in the same status quo for 30 years, right? That, that, that's interesting. Any, any thoughts about that? Well, I, I feel like sometimes there's a, what, what is it saying, um, analysis paralysis? Uh, you know, sometimes organizations don't know what to do. They're not sure what the next step should be, right? So, so, and it's easy to focus on the low-hanging fruit, right? Recruitment, retention, professional development. But, but really the next step is how are we thinking about equity, right? Are we thinking about equity are we are we making decisions through an equity lens? Is every decision made through an equity lens? And I, I would I would bet that a lot of organizations, being honest with themselves, would say no, no, I don't make every decision. When I'm thinking about marketing, advertising, accounting, procurement, you know, just go down the list of business functions, right? Sales. I'm not necessarily always thinking of it from an equity lens, and it's an easy question. It's like. With, with whatever you're doing and whatever team or department you're managing, ask yourself, am I leaving anyone out, right? Is anyone being left out? From a marketing and advertising perspective, is anyone being left out, right? From a sales perspective, is anyone being left out, right? Uh, so, so, you know, I, I think um, 
we just have to be honest with those questions, right, and, and how we answer them, and then be ready to, to respond with, with action. I love it. I, I love it. So, um, Nate, let me know if you're ready for the first video from Bill. Uh, so what's interesting, Cassandra, as you know, Bill Wells was in the first um, uh, first session, session number one, and he wasn't able to make it live with us yesterday. So I've done several videos that we're bringing into this conversation. So um, the first thing that I love about Bill is that he's an optimist. He is like one of the legacy leaders. Bill Wells is now a consultant. He was, like I said, chairman of the board for the National Black MBA Association. He's worked 30 years or more in corporate America. Um, so you'll start with the very first one for, for Bill, wherever that is at the top of the list. Um, um, and what, what, I, what, I loved about, what I loved about Bill is he's an optimist. He, you know, he's saying that, you know, we have a long way to go. A lot of things have not changed. Some things have gotten better, clearly, from 50 years ago when Black MBA first started. And there's lots of work that's happening. He even commended the, um, the CEO um, Action Committee group these thousands of CEOs coming together. He commended the fact that they're coming together. When you look at what they say is important, they say that this uh, a common, common thread around equity and inclusion is important. But yet when you look at the site, you have a thousand companies with 3000 or 4,000 programs. And I don't, I, you know, one of the, the one thing we want to bring to that conversation is uh, specifically, and I asked the question, what are you doing for black people to take the knee off, our, our, off of our neck? What are you doing to stop corporate chokeholds? That's, that would be huge. So that's really our invitation. So we, we, we actually had a video, several videos from Bill. So I'm going to play a few of them and then get your thoughts and we'll talk about them. So we'll play the first video. Those, I, commend this, I commend those who got this initiative started. I really do. I mean, this may have sound like kind of really going full blast. And I'm not, again, I, I'm not, I don't want to go there. I try not to be cynical, but I see what I see. And, but I would commend those that have started this initiative. I commend those who have signed up. But I also strongly urge them to really commit to your convictions. If you, if you say this is a CEO action plan, that means there's a commitment. And live, live, live true to your commitment. That's all. I mean, it's just, it's not even more complicated than that. Just be true to yourself and don't, don't just sign on the dotted line for the sake of getting your name, name on the roster. We've seen that happen before. Mm, I That's love it. it. I love it. It's bigger than me, Bill. Thank you so much. We'll Thank talk you. to you soon. That was the right. end of our videos. I'm going to have you start at the, at the top of the list. Um, Nate, for the next videos, we'll just kind of run down the list. But what I love about that is, did you hear what he said about just putting your name on the list? Like that, that's where we have to, when Bill, when Bruce said we have to make demands, it can't just be about you made a grand declaration of what you're going to do for diversity. We have to move from courageous conversations to courageous activation. So let me know when you're ready with the, the first video and we'll just, like I said, run down the list. Um, you know, Bill said, don't just sign your name. Don't just make a statement. There's tons of statements. I've been doing lots of uh, conversations and interviews with youth. One of the girl, one of the uh, ladies said, probably over a year ago, when we, we started having some of these these conversations, and then recently, the same thing keeps coming up. They want to know how can they find uh, companies that are, and this was her quote, and I just loved it, that are black friendly. They know. 
they know they got parents and, and, and other people. They know what the experiences are. So please know that the, 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 even though blacks don't haven't traditionally told our stories, we're like the me too movement. Now this bigger than me movement is like, it's bigger than you. It's okay to tell your story. Now there's like a plantation mentality, right? Remember when the, when the, when the, when, it, when we were, you know, there's a slavery mentality, the, the whole plantation concept when the, the one uppity slave, you know, did something that was, toward freedom or wanting some additional rights. Maybe you want to water four times a week, a day, as opposed to two times a day. They were put into the hot box, <laughs> right? So the other slaves are looking away like, uh, don't talk to Tracy because she's a troublemaker, right? Massa, right? We, we, so so, so a, there's a little bit of, there's a lot of that actually still in place if you think about in corporate America, right? People don't necessarily want to speak up. They got a job. The money's great. Microsoft pays amazingly well. You can't, there's no price for you to pay for someone's dignity. When your knee is on someone's neck, day in and day out, and they suck it up because they want the paycheck. It's unacceptable. I was willing to risk my paycheck to do the right thing. And, and God gave me perfect peace about it. Like they to have a black woman on a mission, a divine mission. Oh my goodness. I, please be clear. <laughs> it's so much better well, you, than you me. know, you know, you know, Tracy, you're right, but but I will say this, you know, as African Americans, we're not a monolithic population, right? We we don't sure. we don't all have the same beliefs, values, 100%. and and or the same, and our priorities. Or the same experiences. Yes, we, we exactly. also don't all have the same experiences exactly. for sure. But but I think for right. the, for the so. injustice for one is right is injustice for all. So yeah, for those people yes, who are sitting I, I, pretty, you're you're exactly you're exactly right. And but but sometimes you know when <laughs> when. If, if those folks don't want to join the collective group in helping making the workplace, for example, more inclusive and respectful for everyone, then then that's their prerogative, right? We can't we can't allow that one or, or two or a handful of people stop what we're trying to do because at the end of the day, you know, it will benefit them too, and and that's right. okay, right? And and that's okay if they want to come along but reap the benefits. That that is okay. And, and so in, in those situations, um, which all organizations have that across different demographics and, and races and cultures and everything, right? But, but I, I feel like that shouldn't stop us from, from coming together with those of like mind who want to see improvements, right? Who want to um, see more action around inclusivity and, and respect and accountability. You know, uh, when when Bill was talking on the video about it was it was great to see the number of CEOs or companies who added their name to that action to that list. Now now the question is, okay, now that you've added your name, how are you going to hold yourself accountable? How are you going to hold that organization accountable um, to to really again, like we like you keep saying, activate right now now what are you going to do? It's it's not good enough to just add your name to the list. What needs to happen is you, you have to now take that next step and you have to hold yourself accountable, right? That's the piece that's always been missing, holding, holding the, 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 the executives and the corporation accountable. And, and that's where if you're working with one of those organizations, you have to be able to speak up and say, hey, I, I see that we've made this commitment. You know, where are we? How have we, have we achieved it yet? You know, is there is there anything that I can do within my role or even maybe outside of my role that can help move us to accomplishing that goal or that objective? So 
I love yeah. that. Thank you for that. And it, <clears throat> You're 100% correct. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this is um, when I first started the initiative, I really wanted um, just kind of, you know, I kept getting divine clarity about what this is. And it is what it is. It is for who it's for. And that's it. All I can do is my part. And then those people, that's why I show that, that the movement video, because it's just for who it's for. It's not going to be for everyone. You know, I had some people break my heart a little bit, to be perfectly honest. One one lady who I knew was like a senior female, black female in the company. And she's like, you know what? I opt out was her quote. I opt out. Okay. Fortunately, I was like, okay, that means it's just not for you. Now I got the toughest skin ever. I'm like Teflon because God just gave me clarity. It's like, you just, you, you do what I told you to do, which is this is your message. This is what you, it's bigger than you. You, you know who the right people are. When they come to you, they're for you. They got a message and you stitch it together and it's going to be amazing. So we have a strategic plan. There's tons of documentation. We have it all. You know, when I, I'll, I'll just we'll play the next video. Oh, so yes, feel free to um, feel free to bring uh, Patricia Davison, but go ahead and play the next video from Bill. Companies are in business to make money. Let, let's don't even get, get twisted mm -hmm. in that one. And, um, and, and, and I understand that, but they also have an inherent responsibility for the franchise they've been given to do their business in our communities. So they do, they, they are a fabric of society if in fact um, uh, they perceive that. It's not always there. So basically he was talking about companies. Hey, Patricia, how are you? So, so bring your camera up, but basically what, what Bill was talking about there was that companies actually have a responsibility to do the right thing and they don't always, they don't always do the right thing. Patricia, I'll have you introduce yourself and tell us why is this work important. And then, Nate, we're going to have you get ready for the next video. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I thought I was joining the three o'clock session, but it looks like I'm on the tail end of the two o'clock session. It's okay. We're just—it's all good. <laughs> uh, I am Patricia Davis with Demarche Consulting, and you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about how important this is in business. And the reason I'm no longer in private sector is because the, the work of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and social justice is a back burner item. Even if you bring it up, especially before this period of COVID and, and the protests, the George Floyd incident, you know, which is now important, you know, deaf ears, everything falls on deaf ears. And, and my... I've experienced that so much in the workplace, and it's. Patricia, you're breaking up for me. I'm not just, sure is she breaking up for okay. you, Cassandra or, or Nate. Can you guys hear her? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Oh, they're saying you sound all right. Maybe it's me. Okay. Anyway, it was breaking my heart, and even when I took action, there was inaction that came back, and it was no matter what was written in there in their manuals about their their commitment to equity and inclusion. And I, I just got tired of it. So now I'm in public sector and I'm seeing a different side of the equation. But again, I mean, I think the gift that we received out of George Floyd's horrible death is that the, everyone is listening now. And we have this amazing opportunity to to take some action, some real action where people are actually listening. 
So I'm going to take every opportunity I possibly can to <laughs> quietly kick doors down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Nate, let's 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 play the next video from uh, from Bill, and then we'll all uh, chime in uh, how amazing his insights are. It started at the big corporate level, and over time, there were smaller companies that joined. Um, there were some nonprofit organizations that joined, um, and so private private sector, public sector. Um, the whole thing. So it's really grown. I, I don't know the actual number anymore, but it's grown exponentially. And a number of the companies involved don't even have a formal diversity and inclusion program in place. And oh. so, but at least they can be in the company of others that have done the work and oh. can speak, can speak not as a consultant would go in and speak, but they can speak from their own true experience about oh. how diversity and inclusion has impacted their business. Uh, and, and has proven it. You know, what's interesting about, um, he's talking about that CEO action group again. And I wanna kind of end this this first hour and we have, we're gonna continue this conversation into the second hour. I have like eight more videos from Bill as well as some follow-up questions for you all. But the, it's called, it's www.ceoaction.com. And as I mentioned before, I did reach out to them and they have a lot of priorities and we're not one of them. So we're gonna continue to follow up to ensure that we are. It's 1,000 CEOs that have already united. I don't need to go running around. Sati's the only one I'm gonna call out one by one because I really, really like him. I've read his book. He, he has a book called Hit Refresh. So basically, I'm asking him to hit refresh on his DNI work stream, right? Um, but I think I think I think they actually have all of the right. They talk about growth mindset, and at Microsoft, it's one of those things. It's important. They talk about you know all the right, have all the right elements. It, it you know it was um, uh, what was the guy's name? Eric yesterday that said oftentimes you have CEOs who who get it. You know, Bruce said the CEOs are often isolated, but they, they get it. And then, it, it, you know, it's when it gets down to those lower levels and oftentimes there's someone who actually stops it. And in this case, for me, it was the person who was over diversity and inclusion. My leadership team was like, you know, they were doing, I was training, I trained the entire worldwide operations organization at Microsoft, you know, and this adaptive leadership equity and inclusion initiative. It was, it was an experience that I was having that I knew was bigger than me, that, that I was willing to engage and they were, loving it. We talked about these key challenges. I hadn't gotten to, I didn't, didn't obviously didn't use the term corporate chokehold. You know, I, I was on the inside, so I wasn't, they weren't ready for that, but they were ready for the concept. And so we'll talk a little bit more about this adaptive leadership equity and inclusion initiative. I know we got maybe a couple of minutes. How much time do we have, Nate, before you have to close at the break, do your top of the hour? Two minutes. Okay. So with our last two minutes, um, what would you say to the CEO action group? has a thousand CEOs that are connected that we're not a priority yet. Cassandra, what would you say? Sorry about that. Here's, here's what I would say. I, I feel like um, um, it's important to share best practices, right? Not, not a, he had mentioned that there's small, mid-sized and large organizations that have, that have signed on to this corporate action, CEO action plan. That's great. And, and I think um, allowing the CEOs to learn from each other Right. So, so that they're not going down a path that may not work, but they're also taking in consideration the culture of their organization. So all of this is trial and error, you know, and, and no one's going to get it right the first time uh, necessarily. But but at least attempting and trying to incorporate equity throughout 
everything that they do, like, again, I keep repeating myself, you have to operationalize diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and so until you understand that and, ha and what that means, it's, it is going to be difficult. But that doesn't mean you don't try, right? That doesn't mean you give up or you, or you, you, you uh, don't prioritize it because it has to always be a priority. It should be just as important as sales and production and, and bringing in revenue, bottom line. <laughs> so, so that's what I would add really quickly because I know we're short on time. I love that. So we're going to come right back. Uh, Patricia, final thoughts. What would you say to the CEO action plan that says we got some priorities, honey, and it's not you? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you, Cassandra. I love what you just said, and I mimic everything you just said. In addition, I would say this is not a one and done. It's not a checklist in your priorities. It has to be an ongoing effort with everyone in your organization, from the CEO down to the the, the field folks that, that work for you. But again, it's gotta be a continual effort. I love it. Thank you so much. This is Tracy Harrell. We are going to continue in our next hour. This bigger than me conversation It's bigger than me. We're achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health.